This is the Not Another Wellness Module podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Let's get on with the show. Welcome to episode two of the Not Another Wellness Module podcast. My name is Sam, and I'm a radiology resident who's a little less than halfway through residency. So here on the podcast, my goal is to help physicians, healthcare workers, and other professionals that are in high-intensity, high-demand careers so they can learn how to thrive and that they can learn how to continue, how to cultivate emotional intelligence so that you can enjoy your career and ultimately enjoy your life that you've chosen to live. So it's the end of July here in Virginia, and it has been insanely hot. So my family and I have lived in Virginia for coming up on six years now, and it just always shocks me what it feels like to walk out of a place that has super great AC and walk into a place that I just imagine the inside of like a, a butt feels like, like 100% humidity, 98.6 degrees Fahrenheit. It's just miserable. So things have been busy at the hospital over the past little while. It's everyone's favorite time of year in medicine. You know, July 1st just came and went, and it's the beginning of a new academic year. So you have a bunch of new residents who are joining the ranks of the hospital, and you have these existing residents who are suddenly moved up a year, and they have all these new responsibilities that they have to grow into. I feel like July is just a tough time of year in medicine because you have all these new residents that have just moved into the area and they're stretching their baby doctor wings and they're prescribing their first ever Tylenol as a doctor. I just feel like the hospital always seems like it's a little more on edge with every coming July. This one has been no exception. Uh, I feel like new interns, I know I was, you know, when I was a new intern, I was especially terrified to make any kind of mistake because you don't want to look like an idiot in front of your peers and your new attendings. It's just an uncomfortable time. Like I remember my first day when I was an intern in the surgical ICU and it just was the whole thing. I was, it was the most terrifying thing I think I've ever done. But in the spirit of the new academic year, and given that so many of you are taking some steps into some bigger shoes that maybe you hadn't been in even just a few weeks ago, I wanted to talk today about how to deal with small and maybe not so small mistakes that all of us make at work. And I wanted to start by telling you a little story about something that happened to me recently. So like I mentioned earlier, I'm a radiology resident, which means that I rotate from service to service. I'm trying to learn a bunch of different imaging modalities. I'm trying to learn different focuses of practice. And recently I was on the body division. So I was sent to work specifically on reading body CTs. And at our hospital, this is one of the busiest sections in the department because there's really high complexity cases that we're reading and the volume is super high. And I remember I was working one day, I got a call from one of the radiology techs that works over at one of our outpatient imaging facilities. And she mentioned to me that there was a patient that had come in today that had a history of diverticulitis and they needed a CT scan of their abdomen and pelvis to figure out what was going on. So for those of you who don't know, diverticulitis is the disease of the large intestine where you have these little outpouchings that form along the wall of the colon. And for most people, it doesn't really have any significant side effects. It's, you know, when it doesn't cause any symptoms, it's usually just called diverticulosis instead of diverticulitis. But in a small portion of these people, those little outpouchings can occasionally get inflamed and they can lead to what's called diverticulitis, which if you leave that untreated for long enough, it can get worse and worse until that diverticulum develops a little perforation and then it starts leaking stool outside of your colon and into the remainder of your abdomen, which can have really serious and potentially life-threatening effects. So the radiology tech at that outpatient imaging facility said that she was looking at the scan and she saw that the patient had what looked to be possibly some acute diverticulitis. So she wanted me to take a look and see what I thought. 
So I found the scan and I opened it up and to me, it looked like the patient had diverticulitis. So the tech asked me, you know, since this is kind of a serious thing, you know, what should we do? Should we send her to the emergency room or should we have her go home? And I was new to the service. So I did what I thought was best, which was, I figured I would just talk with my senior resident on staff. And so I told them, you know, what was going on and you know, that the patient had what looked like diverticulitis on an outpatient scan, you know, what should I do? And my senior resident was kind of in the middle of a lot of stuff. She had a couple of high priority reads that she was working on and she had a team that was coming on their way to discuss a different study from the surgery department. So she said, if I thought that a patient had diverticulitis, it's probably best that we send the patient to the emergency room. So I told the nurse, you know, that this is the patient should probably go to the emergency room so they can get worked up further. But what I didn't know is that the patient had already spoken to their gastroenterologist at an appointment that they had with them like an hour or so earlier. So what I failed to do in that moment, which I feel like now is pretty embarrassing to admit, is really do any kind of chart digging to see what the clinical context was for the scan. So in radiology, radiologists don't have the luxury to see every single patient that gets uh, you know, any kind of imaging study with our own eyes. And so we rely a lot on the notes that other clinicians leave so that we can help to kind of put the picture together and figure out what's going on in that specific context. Anyway, if I had looked into this patient's chart, like at all, I would have seen that there was a note right at the top of the chart from the gastroenterologist saying that the patient had been dealing with this acute kind of uncomplicated diverticulitis for a little while now which again, if I had looked, would have shown that her diverticulitis was actually getting better from what it was before. So the gastroenterologist said that she ended up having to go down to the emergency room herself and try and touch base with this patient and figure out what's going on and see if, you know, maybe there was a way that they could prevent her from getting checked into the emergency department and getting an unnecessary bill. Meanwhile, the patient was, you know, freaking out. They were in tears because they didn't know if they were in the middle or, you know, in the throes of some impending medical emergency or not. So it just, it was just a huge fiasco. And really it ended up kind of messing up the gastroenterologist's day because I didn't do my due diligence by looking at the patient's chart. And, you know, I work in academic medicine and everybody that I work with also is in academic medicine and they all know that they're going to interact with trainees or, you know, residents that are both in their own specialty and outside. And even despite that, you know, you have people that are learning. I can still imagine that would have been really frustrating from the gastroenterologist's perspective. And I'm sure there's probably been a lot of you guys who have had a similar experience where maybe a situation that was outside of your control, you know, in this case, a resident from a different specialty from your own ended up costing you a lot of your precious time from your really busy schedule. And I wouldn't be surprised if maybe more than one of you has muttered from time to time to yourself or not to yourself, something along the lines of how you shouldn't have to do someone else's job for them or, you know, how other people's laziness is just totally messing up your entire day. I know I've said things like that from time to time. So, you know, I've done a lot of reflecting on this situation over the past little while, and I think that there's a few things to take away and learn from. First of all, if you're like me, and if you work in a really complex environment like a hospital, it's just by default a very disorienting experience. So even if you've worked there for a long time, in my case, I'm a resident physician, I'm in charge of what seems like 
a lot of times like a frankly absurd, stupid amount of things and very little of it makes any sort of intuitive sense. You know, the number of teeny tiny little intricacies that are just absolutely essential to understand before you can do even the simplest task, like trying to get through the incredibly complex electronic medical record or trying to contact a healthcare provider across multiple different paging systems. Like for some reason, our hospital has two different separate pages paging systems or literally just anything else can seem like a giant nightmare. So right off the bat. I just want to say, if you've managed to walk into the hospital or wherever it is that you work, you found your way to your workstation, your office, and you started your day without causing a huge scene, you're probably already doing something right. Second of all, I'm a pretty simple guy. And I found that for me, I'm able to cope with my mistakes that I make in my life by categorizing them into two kinds of flavors, little mistakes and big mistakes. I think in medicine, maybe those on the outside would think, well, maybe it's kind of easy to figure out what is a little mistake or what isn't based on, you know, is the patient still breathing or at least not actively dying? Probably a little mistake. Do I need to start CPR? Big mistake. But it's just not always that easy, especially for really complex patients or for, you know, people who you're trying to coordinate care for across multiple specialties, especially when not everybody agrees about what the next step should be. So I thought back on the experience with the gastroenterologist and I asked myself, was this a little mistake or was it a big mistake? And I think that all things considered, even though it ended up causing the patient whose scan I was reading a lot of unnecessary worry and stress, as well as definitely some friction between myself and the gastroenterologist, I, I'd probably characterize this as a little mistake. So then what do you do with little mistakes when you make them? So I think for some personality types, and I think you probably already know who you are, it's really easy to look back on things that happened during your day and at some of the things that maybe didn't go the way that you planned them and you just beat yourself up over them. I think it's because we accomplish so much over the course of any given day or hour or minute that it can be really tough to remember all the things that you really are doing really well. I think it's easy to convince yourself that some of those little mistakes that you make are actually really big mistakes. And then it sends you into this negative or maybe just self-destructive headspace for a lot longer than you need to be there. But on the same note, you know, the other side of that coin is when you don't take enough time to appropriately reflect on when things don't go right. I work with a lot of doctors and we're really driven people and we've done a great job at excelling academically, which means that we've worked really hard to know our stuff so that we make as few mistakes as possible. Doctors hate making mistakes and we're pretty good at coming up with some excuses to explain our rationale for the reasons why we do things. You know, it's a coping mechanism. It's not necessarily a great one, but it's a coping mechanism. We don't like to be wrong. It's human nature, especially when the stakes are really high and we live in just an incredibly litigious society where every everybody has a lawsuit that's waiting around the corner. And I feel like, you know, maybe anecdotally, I feel like this group of people, the group that doesn't tend to reflect quite enough on the things that don't go the right way, I feel like this group kind of intends to encompass a larger group of professionals, at least among the people that I work with. And oftentimes this group 
is kind of less self-aware that they do this compared to those that, you know, like I mentioned a few minutes ago, who like to make mountains out of molehills. So, you know, I think a good starting place for learning how to deal with some of these mistakes, especially when you're in a really high intensity environment, is to just take a minute when you have a second to do a little bit of some self-reflection to first of all, see if you fall more heavily into one of these two camps than you do the other. I think a way you could do that could be something along the lines of, you know, over the past week or so or month or so, do I come home and do I use up more of my brain energy than I wish that I did focusing on mistakes that I made at work? Or maybe another thing you could say is, do I feel comfortable enough in my own strengths or weaknesses that I don't get depressed when I make a mistake? On the other hand, if you fall into that latter camp of people that maybe isn't doing enough self-reflecting, you could ask yourself something along the lines of, you know, again, over the past month or week or so, when I go home, do I use up more of that brain energy than I wish that I did focusing on mistakes that other people make at work? Have there been any times over the past week or month that maybe somebody gave me some feedback and I just straight up ignored it? <laughs> You know, if, if you fall into either one of these camps, it's okay. But I think a good follow-up question to all of the things that we've just talked about is just asking yourself, are you comfortable? Are you content with that kind of pattern of behavior? Does it bother you enough that maybe you could stand to change things around a little bit? Getting to know yourself, I really think, is one of the biggest strengths that you can gain to helping you learn how to cope through making the mistakes that all of us are going to make. And for some of you, it may mean that you need to take a little bit of time to remember who you are and how great you already are. Like give yourself some permission to get off your own back for a minute. Maybe for others, if you find yourself in the camp where you do have a tough time admitting mistakes, it might be time to have an honest conversation with yourself and just see if you're comfortable with that type of behavior in your life or if it's causing enough problems to where you feel like you need to change it. Not all self-reflection is bad. Like, yeah, it can be really uncomfortable, which is why I think more people are prone to making that second mistake of maybe not reflecting enough. But you are where you are in life, not because you are a fundamentally flawed person. Like you're a, you're a smart, professional person who's trying to make a name for themselves and trying to become a more well-rounded, more attractive person to work with and to be around. You know, with all that said, it's important to keep in mind that Every single person, no matter who they are or how good they are at self-reflection and introspection and communication, they're going to be on the receiving end of some crap feedback. You know, this is a topic that I really feel strongly about, and I want to really try and see if I can incorporate it into a future episode where we go into detail about how flawed, but ultimately probably necessary, the other F word feedback is to your personal and professional growth. But for now, just know that not every single piece of feedback that you get is actionable or even good, but some of it probably is. Trust me, you do not want to achieve Donald Trump levels of denialism in any part of your life, especially at work, where sometimes mistakes can physically hurt other people. So then what do you do about the big mistakes, the whoppers, the ones that maybe keep you up at night or the ones that maybe other people notice and maybe involve formal complaints or maybe even a disciplinary process. Again, just like with little mistakes, nobody is immune to making some whoppers from time to time. Sometimes these mistakes I think can really impact 
the way that you work. I think it can really impact your relationships with the people that you love the very most. Or sometimes it can really just cause enough internal turmoil that it really marks a pivotal turning point in your professional or your personal life, even if you don't recognize it in the moment. Let me walk you through an example of a physician that recently went through a really very difficult, very painful experience that affected both their personal and their professional life in a lot of ways. So this person who's going to remain nameless was in the middle of residency training. Really, you know, like any resident, the hours that this resident was working were really, really rigorous. And like a lot of us, this resident spent a lot more time working than they spent at home. This resident was married. And in this case, their partner, you know, also worked in the same hospital and even worked in the same department. You know, both of these individuals were really well liked at the hospital and the teams that they worked with, you know, had formed a pretty close bond as they kind of suffered together through the really high demands of working in the hospital in their department. But over time, the hours, just like with any high intensity profession, started to take their toll on this resident. And over time, this particular resident, you know, the bonds shared between a particular coworker that was not their partner began to grow deeper. And over time, this resident formed an emotional connection with that coworker that eventually led to infidelity. So now we have a situation where a resident had an affair with a coworker and this resident's partner also worked at the same hospital in the same department. You know, with these types of issues, there's a tendency for word to get out. And it eventually found its way back to the head of the department who found themselves with a very messy situation on their hands. It really made a lot of internal stress as this once pretty tight knit group of coworkers now had to learn how to navigate a situation that they didn't necessarily ask to deal with. And this resident, you know, they were still in training. It created a lot of moral dilemma for how to best proceed so that this doesn't affect more people than it needs to. And, you know, I can't sit here behind my microphone and profess like I have all the context and understand all the motives of every single individual involved. But what I can tell you is that this is just not an uncommon scenario for people who live in pressure cookers like we do. We're going to make mistakes and sometimes some of them are going to be whoppers. This one was definitely a whopper and it affected, unfortunately, a lot of people. There was a lot of fallout between this resident and the remainder of the department, as well as a number of the medical students that worked with this resident. You know, I I think a lot of us can make it through training without making this same exact type of mistake. But I don't know if any of us can make it through our training and our career without making an error that significantly negatively affects the lives of those that we care for. So if and when something like this happens, how do we approach it? And I think really, you know, if, if you want to stand your best chance at a positive outcome from this type of thing, the name of the game is humility and honesty. So if you find yourself in a situation where you are being openly accused of some kind of egregious behavior or negligence, This is just not the time to take on the same attitude that we talked about a few minutes ago and kind of internally absolve yourself of guilt or blame. I think that maybe there's going to be some instances occasionally where a particular individual who's maybe filing some sort of a formal complaint against you or something 
is completely fabricating lies about you from whole cloth with zero basis in fact. But I just think that these instances are not as common as one might think. I think the stakes are higher in, you know, situations where mistakes are serious. And if you've made a big mistake or if you've been accused of making a big mistake, and if you want to come out the other side with your dignity intact and your relationships and your happiness, it's going to require a different level of introspection. You're going to have to take some pretty serious inventory of your life and reflect back on the situation and figure out what led you to the situation that you're in right now. I think it also means that you need to have a lot of honesty with yourself, with, you know, maybe those who are with you or responsible to work through this problem with you. And I think a lot of times big mistakes are the result of really complicated situations. And there's a lot of people that play some role. So with that said, you know, you may not bear a hundred percent of the responsibility. These situations often don't have a binary outcome of you are 100% responsible or you are 100% absolved of all guilt. But ultimately, especially if certain matters end up getting taken to a court of law, your humility and your honesty are going to be your biggest assets to make it through this really tough time. So, you know, there's going to be instances where you felt like your actions were maybe 100% justified with all the context that you had at the time that you made the decision. But if you place that same story against the word of maybe another equally justified person, the waters can get muddy really quick and it can turn what may have seemed like a normally maybe really black and white situation into one that now requires a lot more reflection to kind of parse out the details. You know, I like to think that most of us on this earth have good intentions and that we're trying to make the best decisions that we can given all the context and maybe all the willpower that we have available to us. And sometimes we're just going to find ourselves in scary situations, not because we're bad people inherently, but because maybe we just lacked a certain part of the puzzle that maybe if we had it would have significantly changed our behaviors and our decisions. It's going to be up to you and possibly maybe the others who are in charge of working through this with you to help determine if maybe that context could have been feasibly obtained through appropriate effort on your part. Just, you know, for a little bit of some resolution to the story that I told you a few minutes ago, that resident that I told you about did end up getting a divorce and they're still trying to do their best to continue forward with their training alongside that coworker, as well as their former partner. It's a tough situation. And, you know, I, I really hope that each of them can get the support that they need to help recover and move forward. But just know that if you're having a really tough time with dealing with making a mistake or maybe the fallout from a mistake that was made, you really might want to consider seeking some professional help too. So both from maybe a personal therapy standpoint, maybe even a legal standpoint, try and see what resources your job has available to you, if any. I think ultimately as, as a professional in your chosen field of study, you add inherent value to your field and your field is going to benefit from you staying there if you're still able to. So, you know, maybe having some sort of outside neutral perspective on the matter can probably really help you work through your next steps so that you can hopefully turn this experience from what may have been an earth shattering black hole of a terrible situation into hopefully maybe just a passing rain cloud that hopefully has some sort of silver lining somewhere inside. 
Making mistakes is how we all learn to become better people. And we just can't expect ourselves to be perfect. But if we can learn how to deal with mistakes in a healthy way, it's going to be a huge asset to us. And it can help really keep the train from derailing. So consider taking a couple of minutes sometime soon to think about how you deal with your own mistakes, both little and big. And, you know, if you feel like you handle things in a really healthy way, great. Keep doing what you're doing. But if you think that there might be a little bit of room for improvement, don't wait to figure that out until that next issue comes along. Taking some time to reflect and work on yourself now is going to pay huge dividends over the long haul. You guys are incredible people. If no one's told you that today, let me be the first to tell you. You guys are hardworking, you're intelligent, you're driven people who are helping to make the world a better place. I really mean it. Keep up the amazing work. If you have any ideas for future episodes, or if you have any other tips on how to deal with small or maybe not so small mistakes, or if you want to support me by bringing this type of content to you, drop me a line in the comments. Uh, You know, also maybe consider sharing this episode with friends who maybe are working in a really high demand job, whether it be, you know, medicine or another field that maybe they could find some little nugget of inspiration that could help them. Just remember to keep up the amazing work. We're in this together and I'll see you in the next episode. This has been the Not Another Wellness Module podcast. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to seeing you in the next one.